hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at, I know I'm in an alleyway, I know, I know how I look, but I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers, that's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. Theo, I know that it's old people small talk, but what's up with the weather recently? No, don't do that to me. I don't want to start talking about that. <laughs> that, that is old people. I don't want to do that. Let's talk about but, young people. Okay. Talk. No, what's no, no, up no. with all the memes? What are we doing? Oh. What are we, who are we pranking today? Who, what TikTok trends do we got going on? Let's talk about I, young people small talk. Oh, it looks like I have a little image here of a rain cloud. Let's and it's me no, about the weather. To, no, <laughs> don't try to sucker me in with your dumb weather. I don't want Will's weather corner. I want Will's Zoomer corner. Give me Will's the, Will's TikTok Fortnite dances. I'm sorry. If it's good enough for the local news, it's good enough for us. If to have weather corner, that they don't have meme corner. Excuse me. Yeah. That's oh. That's I didn't realize baseline. that's the that's the baseline of quality for this pot. If it's good enough mm-hmm. for the local news, it's good enough for Segment City. That's what mm-hmm. we're debasing ourselves to at this point. That's horrible. That's a terrible you, standard. We're never going to have any listeners ever again. Are you getting mad at our local heroes? The local Stop news it. people? <laughs> Stop it. Hi, <laughs> right, welcome to 7-5 News. Uh, we're here with a big development uh, looks like one podcast host killed the other one because he wouldn't stop oh. talking about the goddamn See, I, weather. I, I, t- I did. I would tune in for that, but I wouldn't. I also wouldn't call the reporter a local hero. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> what do you mean? They're, they did the report reporter also? On everything they, you want to know? Were they also rescuing babies from a burning down building while reporting the news? No, if but not, they told you about somebody that did. Then that then the person they're reporting on is the hero. But they're it's 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 rubbing off on them. <laughs> the only way that I would know about the person who saved the baby would, was because oh, of the local hero that is the local news person. Is that sort of like, you know, if I hang out enough with Gandhi, people are starting to be like, oh, yeah, Theo, he's you know, a holy guy. That guy, he's, he's got something going on in terms of morals and upright mm. standing. And, and that's, is that what we're doing? Well, to be honest, if you hung out with Gandhi right now, I think yeah. you, people would think the opposite because you'd be yeah, in his that's grave. True. That's true. That's yeah. true. But local hero Gandhi. Local. (laughs) Do you think that's how he started? Do you think that's the kind of start somewhere? You got to start somewhere. You got to. You can't be an international hero overnight. You got to be a local hero. You got to be local hero to somewhere first. Yeah, I. You know what? Actually, I think it might be healthy for people to go on the local news first. Yeah. Build themselves up to getting on NBC, ABC, all the three (laughs) letters all the three-letter cable networks, and then they go, this man saved a cat from a tree, and you go, I'm ready for the fame. Because I was ready already, for the fame. Monica, at 5 p.m., already said that I did That's it. That's right. And said I was yeah, a great hero. That, just, that means that someone who does a heroic thing and gets on local news then subsequently has to do a more heroic thing to get to the <laughs> next tier of news. They have to get to, like, regional, mm. like, you know, northeast, breaking news. This lady saved... Two dogs from a trap oh. where they were going to have their necks snapped. No. Like they were, you got to get them out. That's a one-up from true. a cat in a tree. Maybe, maybe like national news is on a delay of a week. Maybe you get a week <laughs> of knowing because that because what you're stating is kind of. I don't want capitalism to infect every single thing. That there needs to be a corporate structure to good deeds. That you don't. I don't want to become VP of good deeds because because I, <laughs> I did the third deed, yeah. benchmark of oh well. You see, Will got this role because he saved twelve cats, five dogs, and a parakeet from a burning building. You know? See, I feel like you can really you can really juice your your ratings and juice your uh, your acceleration towards the next tier of news if you develop uh, a relationship with uh, a villain, a counterpart. Like if you are going around saving. <laughs> If you're going around saving cats from trees, and I'm on the other hand, I'm like I'm you're putting them in trees. I'm putting cats in trees. I'm putting another 12, 12 cats in trees. Just try to stop me, cat man. Okay, this kind of this necessitates a evil local news network that 
only reports on bad news where they're well, just all, like, that's just I'm Monica. News. I'm asshole Monica. And I'm here to tell you <laughs> that you're a piece of shit for lo- watching us. But <laughs> here's the news, I guess. And then on the flip side, that's only good news and only brainwashes you to think it's all good all the time. And some you got to you got to balance your sources. You got to hear about the guy who's putting the cats in the trees and the guy mm-hmm. who's getting the cats out of the trees. And you know what? That's a good sentiment to lead into our intro of Segment City, the podcast that you're listening to right now. We're we're in your head, baby. Mm. My name's Will Kane, and I you know what? I don't know how I got in this tree, but I'm feeling I'm feeling scared. And I'm Theos Apocalypse, and no one's coming to save you. Oh, I hit it. all the ladders. <laughs> You're never getting out of the tree. That's the my one weakness. I'm the guy who saves the cats, but I need the ladder, so I can't <laughs> get out of trees myself. How are you going to save Gotham this time? And then all the cats come and bring a ladder <laughs> to save. They're <laughs> oh, like, thank no! you. <laughs> thank you for all the times you saved us. We learned. And we were watching. We did learn. And you know what? You might learn from this podcast because Theo and I dumpster dive our way through the internet. We collect all those good comedy morsels for you, package them into segments, and we give them back to you, baby. And this week, uh, I got a, a, a Will's, it's more of just a Will, I guess stupid thought. This is kind of from somebody else mm. where they are somebody who is currently living in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. from the mainland. Mm-hmm. And they did say to me, I I am not racist, which is not a great way to start any sentence. You never, no, because you know there's a butt coming. But I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. But the food is, person didn't like the food. And it uh, is making them angry, I guess, at the populace. You don't, <laughs> I don't, you don't think have that's to, fair. You but. don't have to start your sentence about the food by saying, I'm not racist. You can just <laughs> say, I don't like the food. Yeah, that is fair. But he, he's like... I think he's like pushing that ha- hatred towards the people a little bit of like, I can't believe you wouldn't even have good food for yourselves, but it is an island. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, are they being self-sufficient? Or are they just eating their local, what they're growing there locally? Cause that's sometimes that's all you can do. Mm, that's true. But this w- brings me to a will ass of, is there ever been food that you've kind of hyped up for yourself? And then when you eat it, you go, eh, not that good. Listen, I've been on a streak of unpopular takes, and I'm about oh. to enter another entry into the unpopular. Get ready to oh not be happy about it. Okay. Korean barbecue. Ooh. Not as good as I thought it would be. Mmm. Is it? And it's. And I'm going to say this. It's not, not the flavors that let me down. I was impressed by the flavors. Uh-huh. It's the amount of work you're doing. Yep. You're... So Korean barbecue, for those who are not familiar, you yes. and your friends gather gather at a restaurant and and you have a grill basically in front of you, a fire, a, a some sort mm-hmm. of uh, grill, grill that is, it is an open flame and you right. serve these pieces of meat that you put on the grill with these, uh, raw meat that you put on the, the grill with these tongs, you wait for it to cook, you flip it over, you dip it in sauce and you eat it. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, every time I've been to Korean barbecue... I'm having to like fight for grill space, elbow my friends in the in the <laughs> side of the ribs to like you know get hey, some get elbow. This is my real estate. Yeah, to get to the tongs, I gotta like you know fight somebody over the sauce. You know, it's just it mm. for what for what it is for like you know a two inch by two inch little flat piece of meat. It's a lot of work. It a is lot a lot of work, work for what it is. Mm. This is interesting because I don't I don't disagree, yeah. but I do have to say that is the part of the charm. For like, if I went, yeah, it's it's the activity. It's the activity you're doing it. I do agree that yeah. if if given the choice between that or like hot pot, I'm gonna choose yeah. hot pot. See, my, conversely, I actually really like hot pot, and you might say that no, that's hypocritical, but I'll say this: when I'm doing hot pot, we're just dumping stuff in that soup like crazy. Yeah, like, no one's no one's fighting over it because there's so no. much coming going in and coming out of the the, the broth mm-hmm. that everybody's feeling well fed. You're passing it around. It's all good. And I haven't done Korean barbecue a ton, but I feel like they don't have a lot of vegetables or like, because in a hot pot, it's not you can throw the, no, it's, other shit in. Right. In Korean barbecue, it's, I think it's mostly like raw veg salads and stuff like that that's on the side. Mm. You're not, you're not, you're not cooking it over the grill. It's about the meat on the grill. Yeah. So, so it's not I like a particularly that. balanced meal, I would say, you know. Mm. Yeah, I do agree. I think that's, that's a good take. 
Mm. You said it is probably it is probably unpopular because a lot of people I, love I, around here, especially love Korean barbecue. But I think at it, face value, if you say like I don't think Korean barbecue is worth the effort, I think people are like, whoa, whoa, yeah, <laughs> get riled up about oh, that. What but, are you doing here? Come yeah, on, right, right, yeah. But it is a lot of. But I think it is the activity. I think the activity of hot pot is more fun because it, like you said, is more communal. Mm-hmm. And because you don't really like stare at the pot the entire time, like you can go right. and have a conversation, come back and go, oh, it's, uh, it looks like it's done. Like this little I also, octopus or whatever is good. I also like uh, in hot pot, the, the broth is sort of opaque. And so you can kind of go fishing and be surprised mm. by what you pull out of there. You, know? yeah, you, you, know? pull, so you don't really know. Oh, I put this in an hour ago. This right. is <laughs> <a little laughs> we're doing cooked, well but, here. I think but, that's mm. a little surprise pack that you put in the soup. You forget about it. You come back mm-hmm. later and boom. That's true. I I feel like in terms of individual, uh, like, I guess, like, restaurants versions of things. Sure. I think I've been disappointed by Thai food the most. Oh, interesting. I've, I've had great Thai food. I've yeah. had l- lukewarm, mediocre Thai food. And I feel yeah. like that's, that's kind of more... That's it happens more often, and that's the, the, spr- the spread of what you might get by getting Thai food is really large. It feels like in terms of quality, like mm. you Thai food can just be like really oily noodles that are not yeah. that hot, and you're like, <laughs> I don't like this. If they don't season it well, it's just like unflavored, like oily, right. and you're like, mm, I don't. But yeah, conversely, like it can be incredibly well seasoned. It can be delicious, but you don't really mm. know what you're gonna get necess- no. unless you trust the place. You know? Yeah, and that's the the big thing, I suppose. But you know what? You know who I trust with the next segment? This guy. There's only you. one man for the job. The guy who mm-hmm. puts the cats in the trees. It's me with your next segment. And I bring I bring you our first my first segment of the uh of the podcast and it's entitled from the takeout.com an article called Joey Chestnut suffers oh spectacular God. loss in eating competition. You can't no. No. What are you talking king, about? You can't king. lose. Olympus has fallen. This is like saying in the newest movie, The Rock gets his ass absolutely beat. It gets like it was, somehow he wrote it into his contract that it wouldn't happen, but it's this still one did. time. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I I mean the article will probably get into this. Joey Chestnut, famous hot dog eater. Famous contest. yes. Revolutionized the game, some might say. Hmm. So Joey Chestnut is an unstoppable force of nature. The guy can wolf down hot dogs in superhuman fashion, unfazed. That at what's likely to come after record-setting amounts and then breaking those records himself. You'd think that someone who is constantly on the top of his game w- couldn't come close to losing, but during last weekend's Buffalo Wing Eating Contest at National Buffalo Wing Festival, Chestnut has a- unexpectedly far surpassed, was unexpectedly far surpassed by a new champion, Fox News reports. Now, I will say this. There's not a lot of MVP level baseball players that get out there and play basketball and that's exactly (laughs) what our man joey chestnut is doing he's a hot dog guy and he's out there at the buffalo wings contest saying you know what i can play this sport too that's true but he is mm, well yeah actually that's a good analogy because you use your hands yeah because i'm like well it's a mouth thing because if he (laughs) it's a mouth thing it's a mouth thing he's still using his teeth joey chestnut also incredible kisser world world champion (laughs) kisser kiss the most people in 60 seconds i have thought about it more it it is bone in i presume because there's no other i could imagine you gotta strip the bone yeah probably you gotta strip the bone i could see that being tough for joey chestnut who's just kind of used to throwing stuff down his gullet he's used Uh, to the unhinged jaw yeah. Set the position. Get as much just, into your stomach. I right. think it's more of a like effort to get it down and then into your stomach is so you're the saying only effort. He's more of an esophagus guy and less of yeah. a mandible kind of character. Yeah. I don't yeah, think he does okay. a lot of chewing. And I think right, you gotta right, do right, some right, of that. Right. Yeah, interesting. All right. I, like, well, I, I do love an underdog story because I like that it's <laughs> like a new challenger approaches Joey Chestnut. Even though he didn't win, Chestnut still plowed down a vulgar amount of buffalo wings. He managed to strip the meat of... Okay, I'm going to let you guess. How much meat? He, how many wings in he had? 12, in meat? 12 minutes. 12 minutes is your timer. Ooh, how many wings did he pull in 12 minutes? I think... And it's and it's consistent pace when you're... At, you know, you're doing the average. You have to remember that it's over 12 minutes. Consistent. You don't slow down. There's no breaks. It's 12 minutes of, of, yeah, of that's hard. pain. I'm trying to figure out what his 
I'm kind of doing math, wing math, which is not <laughs> math I'm right. used to, where I'm like, how many could you eat in a minute? And I feel like right. at the beginning, that could be like 10 a minute. But by the end, that's probably down to like four mm-hmm. a minute. Mm-hmm. So that's hard. I'm going to just go with a solid 100. Well, he lost and he managed to eat 240. Are you fucking <laughs> He that means 20, for twel- mi- 20 Yes, that means for for oh 12 minutes he ate one wing every 3 seconds for 12 minutes. <laughs> okay, everybody, we're just going to take a moment. Yep. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. He ate a wing. That's he ate a wing. Like, that's insane. And 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 in the time of explaining that he ate a wing, he's just eaten another two wings. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's a monster. This is an absolute maniac. Fitting that much protein in your stomach must be so tough. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, article continues, when you can describe your eating prowess in terms of hundreds, I'd say that's a stunning feat. No doubt there. Yeah. This, so the that's... winner this year Whoa. was an Australian man, man named uh, named James Webb, who mm-hmm. managed to get this, eat 276 buffalo wings. Are you fucking In 12 me? minutes. He ate 30 more? 36 more? 36 more Holy across shit. 12 minutes. <laughs> that means three more, three more a minute. Then Joey Chestnut, 23 a minute is where he clocked in. Now this is where the specialization comes in. This man knows how to rip a wing apart. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, I don't even think I could remove the the meat from the bone with my hands or any... If you gave me tools, I don't think I could do it this fast, you know? No. They must be like Scooby-Doo, just like putting it in their mouth and go... (laughs) And they just pull the bone out. Like, you, know, you know, like how like a wing has like the two bones that are parallel to each yeah. other. You know, he like smiles and he's just got like three teeth with like a space <laughs> for the two bones. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, that, oh man, that, that's so much. It, and so is he, this buffalo wings, by the way? This is buffalo wings. Yes. Yeah, so you're oh, an ungodly amount of buffalo sauce. Yeah. Is this why chicken wings are so more expensive? <laughs> is it because of this? They keep because of this. <laughs> they keep yeah, what's eating the, too much. What's the bill? What's the bill on that? If you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, even if you're going to buy one, get one on Thursdays. What are we doing? I feel like they only give you like eight now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's like twenty dollars, and you're like, yeah, because there's a national shortage. Because I know morons. what they're doing. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> These guys are contributing to the problem. This is like having a, a water drinking contest in fucking California during the drought. Right. What are we doing? <sighs> we got a quote here. Quote. I still don't believe it, he told Fox News Digital. It was mental. Even when George Shea, co-founder of the Major League Eating, raised my arm, I still couldn't believe it. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Later, he added, the fact I, I beat Joey, even saying it out loud, it blows my mind. This man's a fan, and I like that. that he has fan. the, the uh, deserved awe that he just kind of defeated Joey Chestnut. <laughs> I do love that there's a there's major league eating, so you could be wearing an MLE shirt, and someone's like, "Do you mean do you mean MLB?" And you're like, "No, no, 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 I, no. actually, definitely no." Hi, <laughs> would you like to be trapped at this party now <laughs> while I describe <laughs> exactly what this is? We've got a uh, another detail from the winner of the Buffalo Wing Eating Contest Women Division. So oh. reigning Nathan's famous hot dog eating champion Miki Sodu took first place by crushing 246 wings in 12 minutes. So she, the women's champion, outpaced uh, Joey by six wings in 12 minutes as well. Damn. Uh, She's also been a main contender on the professional eating circuit since her Nathan's debut, having won nine of her 10 past appearances. And uh, she had a quick break during her pregnancy. Um, <laughs> you God think willing, be more powerful than she was just like, that, I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, that baby comes out and it's got like links for arms and it's got like, <laughs> you know, it's chicken thighs. <laughs> it's, it comes out, it's like a muscle man. Like, yeah, jack. I've been getting so much protein. You would think that she would be maybe because uh, pregnant women usually have weird, uh, like things that they are in the mood for. She just dominates a fried pickle contest. She's <laughs> exactly. like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Uh, finally, we it says, uh, we all have our Achilles heel and Buffalo wings are certainly one for chestnut. Even though the man can inhale hot, do- hot dogs quite literally as no one else on earth can, he's lost the wing eating contest five years in a row, including this year. In any case, uh, the victory by Webb sounds like it was a surprise even to himself, much less by a margin, uh, much less the margin by which he won. 
So, I mean, I'm imagine gonna, imagine pick, picking something that you self-describedly said, you know, I'm not that good at this. And the figure was 20 wings a minute for 12 minutes. And that's what you're not very good at. Yeah. I I was going to question his humbleness when it seems yeah. like it. If how do you, who are you comparing yourself to <laughs> at any other point in your life? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, well, my dad, that guy could put down some wings. Like that I'm not guy. nothing compared legend. to my dad. Absolute legend. Oh, they call him <laughs> Buffalo Wild. <laughs> he's, he's wild <laughs> Buffalo man. He's, just, he's wild. He's, bu- he's wild Buffalo. Buffalo Bill. <laughs> wow. Well, and this is just showing me that I don't have any skills. That well, I don't even because this is hurting my tummy just hearing about it. Being honest. <laughs> This is so much. I feel like if aliens came to Earth and they were like, choose your champion, Joey Chestnut would be up there for me. You know? Like, <laughs> you know? Imagine that they bring him in front of the Galactic Senate and he's just like, oh, they should have got like a diplomat. And they're like, what do you do? And he's like, I horf down hot dogs real <laughs> he's good. Like, he's looking around and all the aliens are hot dog shaped. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. Is this why they brought me? Is this my <laughs> purpose is this my life? mission? <laughs> Man, that would, <laughs> that, I would watch that movie. Joey I've been Chestnut. training for this. The Redemption? The Redemption. Hopefully, I'm able to redeem this, that last seg- segment. No, Please, actually, yeah. the redeem implies that it was bad. This is a bad no. transition. Um, but the, hopefully, this won't be a bad next segment. Hmm. We're going to go to WikiHow with a quick... Okay. With a how-to, seduce your professor. Oh, I see. See, uh, that's quite the um, quite the specific uh, goal you got there for you. So we're gonna lay out semester goals for all of ourselves. We're gonna yeah, we gotta get a syllabus. We gotta figure out. (laughs) We gotta have um, uh, constant tests. Uh, My only frame of reference for this is Indiana Jones in the scene when the college girl has written oh, blank setter. Uh, blank setter. Yeah, blank exactly. So you know yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do I, like that one. Didn't seem to work. So apparently that's not the strat. That's not what they're going to go for here. I like that you and I seem to have opposite reactions to this article because you went, "Oh, I understand." <laughs> oh. And, I, and when I first saw this, I said, "Oh." <laughs> Oh. Why did you yeah, make this why? article? Because this is co- co-authored by the WikiHow staff, which is so not specific. It feels like the nobody Wiki wants House to actually, <laughs> nobody wants to put their their grubby little fingers oh, on God. this to say that no, they did <laughs> say the name. This is also recent because it was last updated June second, twenty twenty three. Maybe that's yeah, oh wow, who, okay, that's so it's very recent, somewhat but, recent, yeah. Anyway, for anyone who wants to do this thing, I'm going to immediately say, probably not advised, but we're going to advise you on it. Advise for sure, yep. When you're studying a subject that you're genuinely interested in, you come to class happy, motivated, and ready to learn. (laughs) Ready to bone. Ready to bone. (laughs) Ready for a romance. Uh, When you're studying... Studying a professor that you're genuinely interested in, the same is true. After all, is there anything better than sitting back and observing your crush for a full class period? Like, they, arms behind head is like, (laughs) ah, I can do it. Like, oh, you seem pretty comfortable. Could you answer the next question? You're like, oh, oh no. Uh, 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 What were you saying? I was just looking at your ass the entire time. (laughs) Oh, did I say that out loud? If you're ready to take your infatuation to the next level and seduce your professor, it'll take a little bit of strategy and a whole lot of courage. It may seem tricky, but don't worry. It can be done. I don't know why why they need to hype up these people that I don't think need all that much (laughs) hyping up of. Uh, Number one, or part one, evaluate the situation. Got to really... Take in your surroundings. Stop. Look. Listen. See if there's danger. Check for traps. Topographical map of if they're willing to bone. Yes. One, figure out your teacher's marital status. I think that's, that's a pretty good number that's one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good number one. I'll have to say, give them that one. Check out their ring finger on Actually, their left hand. I'm going to say this one. I'm going to say this one. If you're trying to bone your professor, I think you, to some degree, put your morals to the side. So maybe yeah. that isn't all that important to you. I think that, yeah, this is targeting somebody that I don't necessarily know exists where they're like, I really want to bone my professor, but it has to be ethical. Like but I also to... very deeply respect Jesus and the vows yeah, therein. The, and so marriage, then I, I respect just, marriage. <laughs> right. Don't respect the uh, relationship between a professor and his student, his or her student. But, you know, if you're already marriage, doing the taboo, yeah, if you're already doing the taboo of banging a teacher, I think that the taboo of cheating is like yep. barely nudging. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, 
if you if so, you'll need to decide if that is an obstacle that will deter you from oh, pursuing thank you them. For, yeah, so they thank do you bring for, this up. Right. Uh, so I love that they broke that to you. Like, if you want to be a piece of shit, we're not going to say anything. Well, we're just going to facilitate you. If there's no ring, try to determine if they have a significant other. Some professors may casually mention their boyfriend, girlfriend, or fiance in class. <laughs> I'm going to start off this lecture by mentioning my girlfriend. And anyway, my girlfriend and I were reading this textbook. And uh, it got pretty hot. <laughs> Just as you know, it gets really hot and heavy around, uh, you know, <laughs> studying maybe, mushrooms and, you know. Maybe we just have been hanging around too many like, computer science professors, but the, the phrase of like my girlfriend just to like show it's like that's right i bang like and everyone in the class is like looking around like oh you hear that he bangs cool yeah yeah. uh listen up and see if they throw out any hints you can also ask current or former students if they have heard anything about their relationship status which i think is also a little bit weird if you're like that's a dead giveaway are they married or like what's going on you got a wife girlfriend a cute girlfriend Uh, what's up what's up with Uh, that you could, if you could locate them on Facebook, that's a great way to figure out if they're available or taken, or mm. or it's complicated, which is nothing. Mm. Well, that's nothing. Um, if you can't determine your, their relationship status from afar, be bold. After class, <laughs> walk up to your professor and say something oh, like, no. "Hi, professor. I think I saw you and your girlfriend or boyfriend at a restaurant last weekend. Was that you?" Hopefully, bluffing will get you some information. If you're lucky, they'll <laughs> roll give away for, some valuable clues. <laughs> roll for deception to see if you're a convincing liar. Also, if you're being that bold, you're going right up to them and asking, your morals are out the window. You've made up your mind. Why Would you matter? like to bang? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is, uh, yeah, you don't ask about that. I can't think of any like good way to ask that. Hey, are you in a relationship without having the implicit follow-up being like, Do, would you like to be? Um, and then they also say, don't don't uh, prejudge their sexual orientation, which I think is also probably good. <laughs> if you're if you're Fair a gay enough. guy and you're going up to a teacher being like, eh, you probably want to like feel that out a little bit before. Feel it out a little bit. Yeah. Number two, research your university's policy on student teacher relationships. Hey, that's, that needs to be number one. <laughs> I think that's that one, one needs to be number one before figuring out if they're fuckable. You got to figure out if it's allowed. Uh, I'm just going to say this like. Morals cost nothing to break. Mm. Getting thrown out of university, that's Costs potentially <laughs> an expensive decision, you know? That's true. Yes, that is absolutely true. Uh, some univers- universities ban them completely. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that's probably right. Uh, while others are only strongly discourage them. Only strongly discourage them. <laughs> this information may not make a difference to you, but it can help you determine how difficult it might be to convince your professor. Convince mm. your professor like it is a Baldur's Gate <laughs> persuasion <laughs> it check. Is, it's a deception check. Uh, your relationship may be technically permissible and therefore it may not take much convincing at all. If it's forbidden, the challenge and the scandal may simply make the relationship more exciting. And I think that's <laughs> probably the main part of the relationship if you're going to do this. Like, I think you're yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. a little bit of a thrill seeker. Why not just go with Dave, who's in your class? <laughs> like, no, Dave all, doesn't have that same ass as the prof, not, you know? He's not. Yeah, I'm not staring at him all day, and he's not smart like the professor. The professor's wearing glasses, and that means he's smart. He can't break down Hemingway like the professor does. He just yeah. can't. He's not on that level. And when it, the he doesn't say stuff it's just hot and ironic to me, like, are you paying attention right now, or are you staring <laughs> at my ass? Uh, number three... Determine the risk and reward. If you signed up for a random class solely in hopes of seducing your professor, you may not <laughs> have much to lose. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is an <laughs> insane person. Hold on. <laughs> they this just is a big time to... <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing to do. Hi, I just spent thousands of dollars in the hopes of banging you. Like, just yeah. fighting you at the front of the room. And a lot of time. Like, a lot of time. Yeah, a lot of time. However, if your professor is also the head of the department or f- uh, for your major, you should probably consider outcomes before diving in head first. <laughs> Each to- one of these, I feel like we get to it. I'm like, this needs to be number one. Yeah. And then this once <laughs> again is like, if you haven't considered your risk versus rewards, you shouldn't have gotten this far. If you were laying in the bed next to them naked and you're like, oh, this might have not been a good idea. <laughs> you're, like, you're an idiot. You should right. be in college <laughs> to learn something. Like, please. 
Uh, when it comes to matters of the heart, though, sometimes you have to throw logic out the window. If the professor rejects you, will you be okay? If you know you have uh, t- had to take three more courses with them to get your major, tread carefully. Hey, uh, remember in freshman year when I, uh, that was that was foolish of me, you know, but it, I've matured and mm-hmm. I think we're ready now. <laughs> and I think we're ready. How do you <laughs> feel now? <laughs> Uh, if you are successful in seducing them, could a relationship negatively affect your academic career? And then they don't add anything after that. Like, they just go, mm. you figure that out. You figure that one out. That's a mind puzzle for you, the very intelligent reader, to figure out. Mm. Now, part two, catching their eye. So mm. you've done the, the thought process. Uh, number one, be a good student. Pay, pay attention in class and act oh, yeah. interested in the material being taught. Participate in class discussions. Answer questions that take good notes. I don't know how they'll know that you do but whatever. <laughs> you know what, Stephanie? I was really down, but then I remembered how shitty your notes are. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I, I can't do that. Over, I looked over your shoulder and you were just writing Britney Spears lyrics about how much you <laughs> love me. So uh, I don't know. Stay off your phone and avoid daydreaming. Look truly interested in every word your professor is saying. While being a good student won't seduce them, it'll lay the groundwork. I don't like that. It's the foundation. Well, it's the foundation. Come on, you got to start somewhere. Susie's doing really well in her classes recently. I wonder what changed. Uh, remember, they are doing their job, and your interest in the subject will please them. Uh, <laughs> even if you're unable to seduce them, at least you make an A for by paying attention and working hard. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bare minimum. Keep your grades I, up and, and keep it pushing, you know? Is this how you trick horn dogs into being good students? <laughs> you're like, well... We didn't get to bang, but at least I got an A. You know, that's a good, at least that. And it's like, okay, that seems like priorities are shifted, but okay. What if somebody like reads this and they go, I just have to pretend that I like it. And then they get to a date and they're like, the professor's like, this is all I talk about anyway. This is like my whole whole thing. That's why I dedicated my life to it. (sighs) It's just not a hot face. Number two, look good in class. Mm. Uh, while you may think that your professors are much too intellectual to care about appearances, they are still human. If you look like a slob, you probably won't catch their eye. Keep your outfit school appropriate, but wear things that flatter you. Yeah, all this is just like look nice. Uh, Get some assless chaps up in there. You know, uh, just just a couple. <laughs> you got to look elegant and mature. Uh, a vest instead of a hoodie or a, n- a nice knee length skirt for girls will make you look more professional and equal to your professor. Huh. <laughs> You imagine that in actually, you know what? I was going to say, could you imagine in computer science showing up in a vest? And I thought to myself, 100%. there were definitely people in vests and fedoras as well. That was the complimentary hat for that outfit. Is, is the vest the hoodie of formal wear? I don't know why. <laughs> is that the correlation <laughs> there? Is the vest the hoodie of formal? I mean, I don't know. Could, I, I've seen some grimy vests and I've seen some grimy hoodies. Mm. So, yeah. Number three, use body language. Smile at your professor in class and try to hold their eye contact whenever you can. Not slightly, when you, whenever you think they make a great point. And <laughs> just, just show them that the, you're interested. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Be a little shameless. I think that whoever this is, is has no problem with that. I don't think they have a shame no, in their body. No, I don't think so. No. If you, if you know you have a great physical feature, find a way to discreetly show it off. <laughs> Bend over to grab a pen, adjust your clothes to give a little peek, or simply take your time walking to your seat before class begins. The goal I is think to my get their best feature is my nose, so I drew a red circle in Sharpie around my nose so that the professor would <laughs> notice it. Notice it's subtle. Notice I have a big... Though. Big clown nose. Are you going to clown college or what? Are you double catering? <laughs> it's great. I love it. Part three, get one-on-one time. Go to office hours. Many professors are required to hold them. Um, go to their office hour. It's just like go to their- I, You know what I love? I love when, you know, you're really taking advantage of the professor's volunteer time to help their students. Yeah. And you're thinking to myself, actually, you know what? I'm going to trap them in a situation to, so get, to seduce them. Yeah, that's not a recipe for disaster at all. Mm-hmm. I like this this little bullet point. Don't come to their office hours every week if you don't have anything to discuss. How- <laughs> <laughs> don't be a thirsty idiot. <laughs> it's a, it's like if you have stuff that that's cool, but like don't be like, oh, hi, I wanted to talk to you about uh the what we talked about in class today. We just went over the syllabus. Yeah, is uh, I don't know how to read. Fuck. 
That's <laughs> fine. Oh, looks stupid. Oh, no, it's too stupid, too stupid. I dumbed too it down st- too much. Just <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Uh, number two, talk to them before and after class. I, I got to say, these are pretty self-explanatory. Number three, email them, which I feel like mm. is a little bit less self-explanatory. Ask them the a question. The most sexy form of communication, email. Mm. That's question. why they call it hotmail. Is that what? You know, uh, all those, uh, that's the new app that everyone's getting uh-huh. into is Hotmail. Hotmail, yeah. Uh, ask a question about class or homework assignment. Share your thoughts on an interesting discussion brought up during class. Send them a link to an article that you think that they would find interesting. Just do anything to make yourself stand out and find reasons to start a dialogue. And stay professional, but a little bit playful. <laughs> I uh, thought it was really interesting. You know, I'd love to discuss with you today how in class my pants came off. Um, that was really yeah. interesting. And I thought that could merit further discussion, you know? We were talking about different measurement types. And I was wondering about the measurement of your cock. No? Okay, you no? blocked me. You, I, okay, are you getting right. my emails? Are you getting my emails? <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Is this thing on? Part four, forming a personal relationship. Uh Number one, engage them in conversation unrelated to class. This technique works particularly well during office hours. So you're once again wasting their time. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, good. And uh, taking time from other students, that's that's phenomenal. Can't can't uh, deny you that. Yeah, and it's basically, yeah, these are self-exploratory. Talk to them about stuff. Two, drop hints. Unless you summon up the courage to put yourself out there, you probably won't be able to set the stage for seduction. Mm, what is the, you gotta so you set just, the stage for seduction. How far do you need to go... Because I've had a lot of professors that I don't, I think would be like, would not pick up on it. Like if you, I just like <laughs> full on like tits down, like professor, professor, <laughs> professor, please put a little gift and a little note on their desk. Doesn't have to be anything major. Maybe just a pen, new pen or bake good in your note. Write something beyond what a student would typically say to a professor, such as. Such <laughs> as so the government is watching. Stay alert. <laughs> <laughs> have you <laughs> have you thought about your soul <laughs> try, try to join my church like, wow that's beyond what most of my students talk to me about uh, and this is the quote they gave i was thinking of you and thought this would make you happy hmm. if somebody was seducing with <laughs> me with that i would be like thank you I, I don't know what is this i feel like if you were if you were mutually interested that could be a nice that could be a nice move but if you're yeah receiving that as professor you're like okay that's this is too much man yeah it, and it's like think about what they want three pay attention to their signals observe how the pre- professor interacts with you versus other students do you this is now just becoming contact? this yeah. is becoming advice on how to get someone interested in you back this is or express your interest in anyone it doesn't have to be this is not professor specific advice i need to know about how you're writing them a custom syllabus about how they're going to bone you. (laughs) I need to know that. You got to put it into your report. Like you got to put it into a book report. Yeah, Uh, right. Number four, bump into them outside of class and they have that in quotations. So that implies that it's planned. Uh, This may or may not be possible, but it is a great thing to do if you can manage it. (laughs) Right. It's not possible. This feels- and now class is over and I will ascend into the heavens. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> class. See you next week. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this, I wanted to bump into you. This does feel like an assisting a stalker. Like giving a stalker yes. advice of like, <laughs> it is. try to bump into them. Uh, try to figure out where they spend time on their weekends and after class. Once no, that's stalking. the stalker. Yeah. Uh, if they mention being regular at a certain coffee shop near campus, do your studying there. This yeah, bring your. They brought up their favorite musician was playing a gig that weekend. Get tickets, uh yeah. Go the extra mile. This is, oh, and, but it but it says don't be a stalker. If you accidentally oh. bump into your professor at a concert, you can ask them if they're going to the next one, another concert of a similar band. If they eat lunch at the same place every day, ask them if they can sit with if you can sit with them. And number five, make a move at the end of the semester. Make an appointment to talk with them after final grades have been submitted. Ask for their advice about class next semester, admission to to professional school. Professional school? This ask is them college. About, That's, ask them about a, advice on an ass from it for the next semester. That'll get them. What do you think about mine? Is this an A plus? Well, one, you got a B plus in this class, <laughs> so it's not exactly right. And it's also finally, it's, it's also, also submitted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would say B flat. This is music class now. (laughs) (laughs) Try to steer the conversation towards other topics as well. If they seem receptive and you're feeling brave, casually ask them to coffee. Uh, 
Yeah, and they say professors don't date people when they're actively teaching them, and I think that's <laughs> very right. That's good that they've said you you know you've you've got to wait you got to wait until the grades are in. Yeah, but anyway, that looks like our grades are in, and that was a I'm going to mm. give myself an A plus plus wow plus plus. Just so many pluses in there, just like Christmas Story. Is that just like Christmas Story? Is that what? Yeah, happens? that's that's a he has a dream sequence where he gets a thing graded, and she goes, "This is the best thing I've ever read." It gets an <laughs> A plus plus, and she just keeps going while he's doing like the hands together, like shaking up this like <laughs> champion, and she goes around the like past the chalkboard and is drawing on the walls. A plus 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 plus. But anyway, well, hopefully your next segment's an A plus. I'm going to bring you over to a Wikipedia historian, and this is the history of the Baker Street robbery. Wait, is this Sherlock Holmes? Because he Mm. lives on Baker Street. Mm. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not Sherlock Holmes, but it is inspired by Sherlock Holmes. Okay, tell you that. Interesting. I'm interested. So. I'm going to begin with some history. In 1970, Anthony Galvin, a 38-year-old photographer from North London, began planning the burglary of the branch of Lloyd's Bank at 187 Baker Street in the Marlebone district of City of of Westminster, London. Hmm. His plan was inspired by the Red-Headed League, an 1891 Sherlock's Holmes story, which criminals tunnel into a bank vault from the cellar of a nearby shop. So they thought, we could do that. This is funny to me because it is solved. Like he did get, yeah. they did get caught in the context of hey, the story. <laughs> yeah, because it's a Sherlock Holmes thing, and and he obviously like, like nobody I, else is real. Like there's no real like, Sherlock no. Holmes. Yeah, he put that much together, which I I do enjoy. Uh, a former army physical training instructor with connections uh, to several career criminals, Gavin was described by the journalist <laughs> Tom Pettifor and Nick Summerland Summerlad as quote. A force, a how do I? Mm, I gotta get to my. All right, is here we are. There we go. A forcefully, a forceful personality who had the who had a propensity to be physically threatening, which is just the most British way of just. He's got a propensity to be physically threatening. Did he take my lunch money and give me a wedgie? Maybe, but that's not what I'm reporting on, is it? Oh, he is reminiscent of a uh, ooh a brick shit house, if I (laughs) could say. I like that he's adjacent to like he's he's not a criminal, but he knows a lot of criminals, and he's like a yeah, physical he knows. instructor. <laughs> yeah, Gavin asked Reg Tucker, a secondhand car salesman who had no criminal record, to recon the bank. Tucker opened an account with uh, five hundred pounds in December nineteen seventy, and two months later, he rented a safety deposit box in the branch. Over the next few months, he visited the box thirteen times. Bank practice of the time was for staff to leave the customers in the pri- in private while visiting the vault, which is just just mind-boggling to think about. That was like, you're in our most inner sanctum. We'll see you later, paying customer. Goodbye. Nothing could be wrong here. Is it? It is a show of confidence, I think, or at least like, oh, we need to. This is for the customer. But it's because I guess they're like, well, they can't break into this. Like, what are they going right. to do? But I, is it overconfidence? Is the question. Hmm, is it? As soon as Tucker was alone, he would measure the room using the span of his arms <laughs> and an umbrella he brought with him, which I love. He's like, uh, the most precise measurement in the world. Yeah, do the. I think the umbrella is better than the arms because you could be yes. like, is, is this the right? Am I doing it right? Uh, he was aided in getting exact measurements by the regularly sized floor tiles, each of which was nine inches square. He drew a map of the room, plotting where the cabinets were and the position of the furniture. Thomas Stevens, another secondhand car salesman with no criminal record, was used to acquire the tools needed for the break-in, including a thermal lance and a 100-ton jack, one of, uh, which is crazy. That, I didn't know you could just like get a thermal lance. I don't even I know do. what a thermal lance is. It sounds like a weapon from Baldur's Gate. Yeah. I do like this, um, this kind of union, this fellowship of divorced dads that he's getting of, <laughs> of car salesmen. He's a physical <laughs> trainer. <laughs> So uh, that's yeah, right. He's of- really assembling the dream team here. This is truly Ocean's Eleven of all the used car salesmen. The most surprising <laughs> thing is that they're like used car salesmen don't didn't have a criminal record, and I'm like, have you met a used car salesman? I feel slimy. <laughs> I, know, I think that. they. <laughs> I think most they've of ripped them a lot of people off. Uh, one of Reader's friends, Bobby Mills, was employed to be the lookout man. 
Two others were brought in for the job, one of whom was an explosive expert. Another Ooh. of Gavin's <laughs> friends, Mickey, Mickey Gervais, a burglar alarm expert, was brought on board. And were two men who have never been identified, Little Legs and TH. Hey, I'm legs. Little Legs. <laughs> I'm the wheel man. That's, that's Come on, get a Morty character. <laughs> I kept the car running for you. I'm the wheel man, but I have to have a block of wood so I could reach the pedals. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a car, see a booster seat, and what? Come on! Also, they got Ricky Gervais's brother in there. Yep, and he's just definitely, like, 100%. I don't believe in gold, but I do believe in money. Uh, so, on May... In May 1971, the owners of the leather goods shops Le Sac at 198 Baker Street, two doors down from the bank, sold the lease uh, of the premises for 10,000 pounds to Benjamin Wolf, a 64-year-old seller of ornaments and knickknacks, and a contact <laughs> of several gang members. I love that. Yes, I sell uh, Christmas ornaments and, um, you know, little Santa dolls. And in the back, I've got my friend Ralphie, who will break your kneecaps. It's all great. <laughs> Oh, I once again building out the divorced ads. That's good, yeah. Divorced ad Avengers, yeah, really. The building had a basement that the group calculated was at the same level as the bank vault. They didn't. They didn't use their arms, I guess, for that one. They didn't specify on that one how they measured that one. I have to say though, this does seem like a group of people that do eyeball it a lot. (laughs) It seems good enough. Eh. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Roadworks nearby meant that the trembler alarms in the vault floor were turned off after several false alarms. False alarms. A member of the local security company alerted the gang of the timing of the digging and when the alarms were off. Work began on the tunnel uh, on the Friday evening of the August bank holiday in 1971 and continued until the 10th of September 1971. Hmm. To avoid being overheard, they only dug during the weekends. Gavin led the digging of the tunnel from Le Sac to under the vault floor. He later said that he lost 28 pounds in the process. I guess it was presumably very hard work. Yeah. The entry hole he, Tucker, and a third gang member created in Le Sac was 15 inches wide and through six inches of concrete, uh, which is kind of crazy. I guess 15 inches wide is like a foot and a half. It's really not that much space to squeeze through. I guess they were having to crawl through the tunnel. Yeah, it's just a body's worth. Like, I, which right. I understand if you have to, you're not going to do extra work if it's already it getting seems, through 16 inches, right? It know, seems like, really hard to like dig that out though, because everything you excavate from the end of the tunnel, you have to got to bring back through the tunnel to get it, yeah. you know, deposit it somewhere. <laughs> and they're not Andy Dufresne putting out it through no. their pockets, like out of their right. pants legs. Hmm. Uh, Gavin dug until he was he had reached the walls of Chicken Inn's basement, which is the building in between. There was like a build building. They like what? calculated <laughs> and then there's a build. So there's a building in between and they were like, yeah, this seems deep enough to go. So they dug towards the building and they hit the building next door and had to go deeper again oh and then had God. to go underneath the other building. Yeah. That's why would you not just hang out with the chicken guy? Like, <laughs> the why, chicken guy. What, what's the, why are you doing? They knew this. Like this was no information, but dummies. Gavin dug until he reached the walls of the chicken inn's basement and then dug down and continued under the building using the basement floor as the roof of the tunnel. The tunnel was 40 feet long when it finished. And then the end under the vault, the gang created a cavity seven by four by five feet. I guess so that they could stand up underneath it, which is that's a yeah, huge cavity. So. Yeah. The digging created eight long tons of waste, uh, which was hauled back into the sack and dumped towards the near the rear of the premises. So they're just like hauling loads of dirt out of this presumably empty building nothing suspicious to see here yeah we're good (laughs) yeah we're good i'm sorry are you how much dirt is are you guys like pooping and then making it into (laughs) dirt is there a compost pile underneath your fucking building what is happening the tunnel which needed no supports was later described in a court as quote a magnificent piece of engineering good at least you know at least they got that right i love when people are like you know what the piece of shit criminals (laughs) <laughs> not bad not bad work but you gotta hang it to them uh the gang began their entry into the vault on the friday the 10th of september after the bank closed for the weekend the gang placed a lookout man on the rooftop overlooking the bank and kept in contact by using walkie talkies the in- their intention was to use the 100 ton jack to force a hole into the free- three foot thick uh reinforced concrete floor and railway sleep uh and railway sleepers were laid on the floor to support it so they like put the like railway sleepers below, which are like rail, railroad supports. Mm-hmm. And I put the jack on top of it. And then we're going to like punch up through the ceiling. Uh, to... Even with the supports, I feel like that's loud. 
Like it, they're not worried about loud because they're doing it. The bank automatically locked the vault on weekends when everybody went home for the weekend. So oh, the bank okay. was the vault was it's basically empty. locked and un- unattended, and they were like, "We're good." Okay, cool. Uh, uh. What they did not know was was that there was an old well under the tunnel uh, <laughs> where it ended, and the pressure of the jack pushed through the bottom of their tunnel into the well rather than using than raising the vault's floor upwards. So there wasn't solid ground below them. There was a well, and as soon as they turned it on, it punched down and down right. Yeah. Oh my god. So they're just yeah. a bunch of idiots. The gang then used the thermic lance in an attempt to cut through the floor. When this failed, they drilled holes into the underside of the vault floor and packed them with galignite, which is an explosive. Yeah. On Saturday, the the gang coordinated the blast of the explosives with the movement of traffic in the area to mask the noise. A 12-inch wide hole was blasted through the floor and into the vault. The tunnel was cleared of the debris, uh, the debris that was created, and the hole was widened with a hammer and chisel. By the time they had finished, the exit of the tunnel measured 12 by 14 inches. So they actually did this. They blew up. They they improvised and blew it up, lined yeah. it up with traffic so people wouldn't notice. So they're pretty. They're doing a pretty good job. They're doing some of oceans, improvising. Ocean's Twelve stuff. They're yeah, like, they really are. Hmm. Uh, now here's where the curveball comes in. Yeah, I was gonna I say that, ele- <laughs> the reason we know about this is because right. they failed. So. At 11, 11 p.m. on on Saturday, the 11th of September, Robert Rowlands, an amateur radio enthusiast living in the flat of Wimpole Street, half a mile away from the Lloyd's branch, picked up a walkie-talkie conversation of the gang. This fucking nerd sitting at home. On his ham radio. Like, <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> waiting for... Th- this is his moment. This is 100%. This is absolutely his own. He's just listening in moment. on conversations. This just, is a that's movie moment, doing. though. Like, this is one of those yes, movie moments is. that you go, this is not realistic, but this is real life. But this is real life. He heard the comments over the radio that made him think a local cigarette shop was being burgled. At 11.30 p.m., he phoned the police. The local police officer thought that it was a prank call and told Rowlands that he should record the conversation if anything interesting was overheard and call them back. Classic police (laughs) move. Hey, could you just do the investigation for us, please? Thank you. Right, right, right. Rowlands thought it was a good idea, so he used a small cassette recorder to make a record of the conversations. I love that he just had that on hand in 1971. (laughs) To, like, hook into the... Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. Maybe he's just holding it up to a microphone. (laughs) Probably. Around midnight, he recorded the dialogue between the gang inside the shop and the nearby lookout on their street to take... uh, And their need to take a break. So the quote goes like this. First voice says... Right. Well, listen carefully. We want you to mind for one hour from now until approximately one o'clock and then go off the air. Get some sleep and come on the air with both radios six o'clock in the morning. Second voice says, I suggest we carry on tonight, mate, and get it done with. First voice, look, the place is filled with fumes where he was cutting. And if the security come and smell the fumes, then we're all going to take stoppo and none of us is going to get nothing. Whereas this way we get the whole, we got 300 grand to cut up when you come back in the morning. And if security have nosed us for it, well, at least we've got something. The disagreement on the lookout and the gang continued for a while. And the lookout said, money may be your God, but it's not mine. I'm fucking off. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I I like criminal Literally, you're doing a crime for money. It's like, I'm going to go home and get some sleep. You know, I'm a moral paragon here. And I'm going (laughs) to definitely, like, literally, he's going to jail for sleep, which is interesting. It's what is it's his morals. He's got to stand up. A man's got to have a code. <laughs> no, it's not morals. He's just sleepy. man's got to have he's a bedtime. A, he was a tired <laughs> motherfucker. Eventually, after input from a woman's voice and a fourth person who seemed to carry more sway than the others, the lookout agreed to remain on the roof overnight. The lookout man was also given an update on the progress they had made in uh, in opening the safety deposit box, uh, saying they had done about ninety percent of the easiest ones. At two a.m., Rowlands decided he had had enough of recorded material to call the police again, uh, and he did not. And he did not recontact his local station, but phoned Scotland Yard directly, which is their yeah, FBI. that's smart. That's because they're not the local station has got to go. Uh, okay, I, I have All to do right. something. Uh, it's two a.m. Come on, man. Yeah, Scotland Yard is going to be like, I'm sorry, what? Like <laughs> they're yeah. they're professionals. Scotland Yard sent members of the squad, the Flying Squad, to listen to the tapes, and they confirmed uh, that they thought a burglary <laughs> was taking place. All right, flying monkeys, time to go. Roll out. I know, it's not a very convincingly gruff name. Police contacted bank staff and local security firms to open their branches as they began to check 750 banks in an eight-mile radius. Each bank was visited by both bank staff and police. They visited the Baker Street branch of Lloyd's at 3.30 p.m. on the 12th of September. They found the vault secure and were unable to open the vault check as it was a timed lock. 
This, uh, the, it is not known if the gang were still inside the vault at the time, although police suspect that they were, but were keeping quiet following a warning from the lookout. So mm. they checked the vault, couldn't get in, and were like, well, nothing we can do here. Shh, shh, shh. And then one guy just farts because they had beans. Because that's <laughs> the British bean-based diet. <laughs> they, what was that? <laughs> it's good mining food. What do you want? <laughs> I was hungry. I was hungry. On the morning, Bankstaff uh, opened the vault and found that they had been burgled. Police found the thermal lance, walkie-talkies, and other tools, including uh, a, a, like an explosive torch mm-hmm. uh, in the shop. 800 pieces of evidence were logged and forensically advan- examined. Police announced that they were searching for four men and a woman. Uh, four men and a woman. They thought that during the burglary, the woman was acting as a controller based in a different location to the lookout and the gang. Hmm. Up to 120 detectives worked on the case, organized Damn. into four teams, which is crazy. That's a lot of people. That is, a lot. I mean, it does take a lot of police time to do something like this. Like, it, yeah, it's a lot of man hours. Uh, one examining the scene, one contacting the known local safety box owners, one covering the coordination from the control center, and one team dealing with ex- all external in- inquiries. Police soon identified Wolf from the lease documents, and within four days, the police had a list, li- a list of likely suspects that they were investigating. So the main guy who owned, who bought the shop, Wolf, yeah, had bought it in his own real name, and so they looked at his, yeah, the papers is- and were like. Well, this is a good place to start. <laughs> it doesn't seem it seems like it was poorly planned from the get-go because it's that was always going to happen. Like uh, cuz you you're not going to fill in the tunnel. Like they're going to just go down the tunnel and see that it went to that shop. I get I think that like the actual excavation feels like it was carried out quite competently. Like they masked yeah. their movements, they knew that the rumble sensors were off, but you have one idiot who signs his real legal name at the very beginning and you've you've blown all yeah. the effort. Yeah, what what's yeah insane to me that they went through all this effort and then they're it, just to be because like why not get on a plane immediately like I, I don't know what the plane afterwards was or if there was yeah. one I don't know so informers provided the first names of two gang members and incomplete details of a pub that had been taken over by another member police made the connection between a newly acquired pub and Gavin. After several weeks of surveillance and investigation, police had identified Wolf, Gavin, Stevens, and Tucker as the key individuals to the arrest, but they also wanted to speak to three or four of three of four, yeah, three or four other people who they thought were involved. One of those were they were interested in had been living in France and Italy since October of 1971, and there was no extradition, so they couldn't get them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they went and observed them and arrested them. Mm-hmm. And so they, these they guys were, probably weren't smart and weren't like, oh, they didn't let's just flee. keep a low profile. Like, yeah, they didn't. Like flee. one person fled, but the rest of them were just like still around. Th- this is the classic criminal. Like you don't get into crime most of the time unless you're dumb. Like there's yeah. in my all the times I've listened to true crime things. It's always like if you're smart enough, you either do like white collar crime that nobody gives a shit, a shit for. Like you, <laughs> you steal billions right. of dollars, but it's for like through a bank or something not Mm -hmm. literally taking it from the bank because then people go no you can't do that you can't do that Mm. uh the trial of the four gang members opened on the 2nd of january 1973 stevens tucker wolf and gavin were charged with breaking into the bank and stealing the contents of the security boxes valued at a minimum of 1.5 million pounds which was in 1971 and it was a minimum i think it was probably higher than that for some estimations yeah and of possessing explosives Stevens, Tucker, and Gavin pleaded guilty, and Wolf pleaded not guilty. Wolf, the guy who signed his own name the, on the, the most on, guilty of them. the one, the one who they have like you know evidence of a signed piece of paper for, hmm. uh, and claimed that after he signed the lease for Lissac, he had only returned to the shop once to pick up the post, and that he was shocked to hear that the news about the break-in. Which I mean, I I don't know. My That's dude. not an explanation. I, That's not like... really an explanation. Uh, the trial ended about. Uh, three weeks later and the sentences were handed down three days later stevens tucker and gavin were each given sentences of 12 years and wolf received eight years shorter because he was older which i guess is a thing and yeah that. that's not that's never <laughs> i've never heard of that they, they after usually, the end of yeah at the f uh, this is the final little this is the final little stinger at the end of the investigation scotland yard considering prosecuting rowlands under the wireless telegraphy act of 1967 for listening to unlicensed transmissions <laughs> <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished really they considered it truly and true really and true the fact that they even thought of that is such fucking bullshit 
Holy it's shit. Unbelievable. But no charges were laid against him. Shortly after the course case, the court case, Lloyd's Bank sent him a check for 2,500 pounds to thank him for his actions. Yeah, good for him. The, like, I don't know why you're going to prosecute this nerd. I'm glad that they did. <laughs> but the fact that they, like, looked he a gift horse in, a mou- in the mouth. like, <laughs> How dare he make our jobs easier? This is only, incredibly inconsiderate of him. Only we can wiretap people, okay? Come on. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I so th- that was just like the final little. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. That's, Are you that, kidding me? These guys. So stupid. <laughs> the fact that they got caught only by that one piece of information because that's one hundred and one. Don't have your it's, name on anything. Yeah, but it also sounds like if the guy hadn't been randomly picking up on radio signals, they wouldn't have been caught. It didn't seem like. But they, like, but my point is that they would have. They would have been caught because they couldn't fill in the tunnel afterwards. Like they they would have opened it on Monday right. and they would have seen tunnel, everything's gone. We've been robbed. Go down in the tunnel, go to the shop, and see that it was like I, I can't think of any It agree I agree with you that Wolf, the guy who had signed the piece of paper for the shop, I feel like he was never walking away from this. No. The other three guys, though, it feels like could have potentially gotten away with this. I, and it's and it's kind of proved by the fact that the woman who was on the radio and was the handler, she never had any charge they never found her. Mm, that's I got. I was gonna say that's the most surprising thing to me that they had a person in a chair, like it's actually yeah. fucking Mission Impossible. Right. Like, right. why? What, what's the point of the person in the chair? If you, like, if it's just a lookout in, what, what are you coordinating? I don't, I don't know. know. It's someone who held cachet and was like, "All right, stop arguing, you idiots. Just get on with the job." Yeah, that's uh, that is fun though. That feels very movie like. This mm-hmm. whole thing feels very movie like. It does, like, right? Because I can imagine the guy like listening in and be like. What's this then? Yeah, what's this? Oh, thing? what? This is. <laughs> I think it's a ro- proper robbery. It is. I just imagining John Oliver sitting on a rooftop, being like, <laughs> "What's this then?" <laughs> oh, what's who's that up there? Is that a big bird? No, that's just <laughs> Jarl from across the street. Uh, yeah, fascinating tale. Mm. Uh, and robberies never go, never go right. I feel like it's very rare when it's like. Well, unsolved mystery. Nobody knows what happened. And I never would have gotten caught. I think they would have. I think that I I think because like in terms of time scale, because did they really get that much of an advantage for knowing that it was being robbed? Because they still had to search which bank. Like maybe it gave them a little mm. bit of time and then the, the people like they could prepare as opposed to like, oh, we've been robbed. We need to start thinking about this now. Like yeah, they were already on it. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, I guess, yeah, it, it's interesting because they would have found out in the in that morning anyway that they would have been robbed, right? They would have gone yeah. in and been like, "We've been robbed." All right, kick off the investigation now. Yeah, maybe it just gave them the heads enough up. heads, yeah, enough head start that the other people couldn't leave. But then again, they didn't seem right. like they're in a rush to. Like, I would be fucking out of the country. I would not right. stick around. Uh, but anyway, if different you're a criminal. Just don't criminal. be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the classic criminal uh, thing, but. We need Hope. a wiki how on how to not be an idiot after you've committed a crime. I'll I'll search for it. I'll All look right. for it. But th- hopefully none of our uh, listeners get inspired to do crimes. Listen, crime doesn't pay. Crime you, never pays. You know what doesn't also pay? Podcasting. That's I'm, true. <laughs> we don't get <laughs> paid confirm. for this podcast. <laughs> but, but we will pay you back with some thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, Remember to give us a star rating. Give us some reviews. We love to see them. If you want to send us some segments that maybe some daring robberies, perhaps, or some <gasps> some wiki hows that are funny, send them to segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com. Hit up our Twitter, Segment City, our YouTube, Segment City, and we want to give a special thank you to somebody in particular. We'd like to thank Rachel Robinson. She does our intro music and she has other tracks, hot, spicy tracks you can find all over streaming platforms, whatever music streaming platform you can you can pick out of the out of the Internet. Mm. And some say she's fled the country, so you'll never see her again. What? That's what they're saying. That's (laughs) what they're saying. This is the first time I've heard of this. But anyway, uh, speaking of just things that should be illegal, but aren't. I was poisoned. If you're you going to poison me, eyeswaspoison.com. This is a website in which people post their food poisonings. Um, That's right. And if you fo- food poison me on purpose, you're going to jail. And by jail, I mean you're going to get a knuckle sandwich. And by a knuckle <laughs> and, sandwich, I mean I'm going to send you a strongly worded email. 
This is a uh, subway on West Dixon Boulevard in Shelby, oh, North no. Carolina. Nothing ever good happens at a subway. No. Take that to the bank. I picked up lunch for my family at uh, 3.21 p.m. on Sunday. I like that he has a time, like specific time. 3.21 is so specific. <laughs> I bought a foot-long meatball sub, and after eating some, I noticed it tasted weird. You're I telling co- me that you ate 12 inches of meatballs and then something didn't feel <laughs> right? Yeah, but <laughs> I called the Subway store and spoke with the manager and one other worker about the meatballs tasting weird. I asked the worker to try one. And she- <laughs> that's, that's the wildest part of this, by the way. Try a meatball. Just put it in your take mouth. Tell me how it feels. Take, take the meatball. See if it tastes funny to you. <laughs> uh, and she said she saw what I meant and would throw them out and make new ones. After some time, I started throwing up. I oh, hope I, <laughs> I hope it will be okay, but I don't feel very well. Symptoms, nausea, vomiting. I like that she looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, that's nasty. <laughs> I don't need to eat it. Those I know are garbage it's nasty. meatballs. I don't know. I don't want to do that. I knew these were infected by when I gave them to you, so I don't want to eat it. <laughs> I know this is poison. But anytime someone doesn't call and make them throw out a batch of meatballs, they've got away with a crime. All right, this man was doing the righteous <laughs> Lord's work. And you know what, everybody? This is the takeaway for the end of the podcast. Call your local subway and tell them throw away all those meatballs. Throw away your meatballs. The they're, government they're is ba- coming to, to arrest you. Also, yeah. get rid of that tuna. We all know it's fake. It's <laughs> we not all know real it's tuna. Fake. <laughs>